This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Welcome to the Summit Show. This is your host, Caitlin Hashem. I hope that all of you are doing so good. It is Christmas time, and we're just so happy to be in this adorable studio. Uh, it's all decked out. Um, we are in the Bakersfield Music Hall of Fame. If you are in Bakersfield listening to this, you need to come out here because it is such a great venue. You can actually rent it out and they have concerts and it's just super fun but we're here in our studio and i have a very special guest who i've done lots of radio with i've done lots of youtube uh, videos with as well it is dr randy bunch hello hello how are you doing good how are you i'm doing wonderfully it's good to be back and it's good to have you, you were, we were just nerding out on um, lord of the rings just now <laughs> i was we telling were. him that i watched it for the first time and it was just really cool and we were talking about the books and then yep. we started talking about c.s lewis and there's so many cool things to talk about and uh i actually have you on today because you're teaching a class actually i'm going to write down the 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 day for that when that begins it's the winter quarter begins january 8th and it is a class have you taught it before yes about i think this is my fourth time oh wow so i must ask you every time (laughs) so communicating the word of god yep and it's something that's really natural for you be honest I love this class. This is my favorite class to teach. So, Dr. Randy Bench, how long have you been in ministry? I am 59, and I started preaching at 17. And other than my two years at Bible college, I've been preaching steadily for all that time. So, I've been in full-time ministry for over 40 years. So, um, when I started... We didn't have electricity. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have microwaves, probably. But anyway, no, I'm joking. But we, it was at 17 that I started preaching. My pastor recognized the call of God on my life and invited me to speak at our little Southern Baptist church at the time, before I was spirit-filled. And so I spoke, and thank God that wasn't recorded, and there was no evidence of it. Um, and then the second time I preached was on my 18th birthday, and that's when I publicly surrendered to the ministry. And then it was on April Fool's Day, 1984, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and my ministry took, like, on another dimension. But uh, all these years, I have, you know, been preaching, pastoring, planting churches, teaching at places like Summit, Bible colleges in different parts of the world, and here we are today. (laughs) And you're in the ministry of chaplaincy now. Yep, yep. And um, so you've done a lot in ministry. It hasn't just been um, pastoral ministry, but you've no, also traveled all over the world. I traveled for, yeah, I traveled for six years in full-time itinerant ministry here in the United States. I've been to India, been to Europe. Um, it's, yeah, it's been wonderful. I've been, you know, an author and published uh, books. And uh, it's been a wonderful life of varied aspects of ministry, which I really love that part about it in that, Um, I feel like I can speak from experience on a lot of different aspects of ministry. Um, As a young man, I even worked as an associate under my pastor when I was in my teens. And um, so I've done just a lot of different things. Media galore, uh, which I love, which is really, I do that more now than any other one thing. And I'm doing a lot with my son, as you know. I have a podcast with him live on Facebook, and we put it on YouTube as well. How do people find you on, like, social media? The best, the easiest way to tell people, if they just go to my website, because it's the easiest thing to remember, is randylanebunch.org. And then on the top menu, there's, it says media. You click that, it'll drop down, and there's, I mean, literally hundreds upon hundreds of hours. And our YouTube channel is there. And so the last 70, we just did 76 last night. And so we've been doing this now for about... I think really two years, but 76 broadcasts. And then before that, I did like 150-something broadcasts. That was the broadcast that 
was broadcast out of Pakistan into 182 nations of the world. And so we're, I don't know if they're even still doing that now or not. I, I quit after I took the chaplaincy job, which is very full time. I had to stop creating content on a weekly basis just because I needed demand. one day of the week to preserve my sanity. Because on Sundays, which is my second day off, I'm preaching twice a day. And then, of course, we do the podcast on Wednesday night. So we're still busy. Wow. With media, but just not in the way that I was before. So so you were like a walking embodiment of communicating the word of God. <laughs> it's like what you do literally all day long. Um, that's so awesome. You said something really interesting about your story, and I've always been so fascinated about this aspect of you growing up in a certain denomination that's yeah. more kind of fundamental and conservative, if you will. Uh, and then you get this uh, experience. You have this experience with the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, I'm super interested in that because I think that, well, first of all, I'm interested in it for personal reasons because I find that when you look at church culture, it's very easy to, when you're involved in a certain denomination or involved in a certain church, um, those churches may have something extremely valuable and God is calling you to go to that church, you know? Um, but then there's there's sometimes this uh, stifling of the Holy Spirit that right. that I see, and I have recently been reading um, Matthew chapter twelve. I'll turn it to I'll turn to it now. But Jesus is talking about the um, blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and he it's when he's confronting the Pharisees for their legalistic mindsets about um, he's you know casting out demons and stuff, and they're saying like oh he must be right. like in partnership with Satan, and he's like in verse twenty five in Matthew twelve he says any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed, a town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Um, so he goes on and on and on, and then at the bottom. Um, he says in verse 31, he says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of God can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. So uh, the reason why I've been so centered on this scripture lately is because there's some just challenges that I've seen arise through different denominations and debates that people have gotten into regarding the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The move of God. Right. And um, I think it's important for pastors and leaders to be protective over their people and to create an environment where the people are um, facilitated in such a way where they can sharpen their ability to discern because right. we need to be discerning. Yeah. And there's so much deception right now, like yeah. more than ever, you yeah. know, and there's so much witchcraft too and weirdness. There's a lot of weird, kooky yeah. stuff. <laughs> so that's important. But I think that sometimes when people, uh, when leaders get protective over their people, they go, they throw the baby out with the bathwater and they, they, they really, um, they don't leave room yeah. for the the Holy Spirit. That's right. And so all of that to say, you come from a Baptist background and then yep. you have this experience with the Holy Spirit. Share that experience with us today and maybe speak on the stuff that I just said. Yeah. In fact, it's in First Thessalonians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul makes comment about this. He said, do not quench the Spirit, don't despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast that which is good. And the, the implication is that there was probably such a proliferation of prophecy, much of which was coming from dubious sources, that the 
knee-jerk reaction of the leadership was probably to say, okay, we're just going to shut this down. And Paul said, no, don't do that. He said, don't despise prophecies. Don't quench the spirit. But rather, like you said, be discerning. And hold fast what's good. Abstain from every form of evil. So one of the things my son and I talk a lot about in our broadcast is nuance. It seems like people are either all this or they're all that. You know, we're all gifts or we're not no gifts, you know. And the fact of the matter is, in almost any subject, anything we're going to talk about seriously, the subject deserves some nuance to it. It's not all this or all that. We have to look at the scriptures and understand that prophecy is valuable, but it can also be easily abused. In fact, it's probably one of the gifts that can be most easily abused. You can't fake a miracle all that easily. I mean, you can, but you know what I'm saying. It's hard to say, oh, look, I'm going to you know, do sleight of hand and do a working of miracles and grow legs on this guy. That's hard to do. Whereas when it comes to prophecy, all you have to say is, thus saith the Lord, and say what's ever on your own heart rather than what's coming by the Spirit of God. And we're such a gullible people. There's so much... Um, Room in, for in the charismatic world, particularly, we want the supernatural so bad that we almost kind of slide into the fortune cookie kind of Christianity, where everything is just very superficial and not maybe more us than the Holy Spirit kind of thing. And and I'm I'm one who traveled doing Holy Ghost meetings, helping to facilitate the move of the Spirit of God in local churches. That's what I did for six years. So I'm big on the move of the Holy Spirit. But part of the stewardship of that is also being discerning. So growing up in the Southern Baptist churches, I did, if you even mentioned Pentecostal or my Pentecostal friend said, there would almost always be this immediate like defensive backlash. And well, they just believe you have to speak in tongues to be saved, which I've never heard any charismatic Pentecostal say that. But, you know, that was kind of our knee jerk reaction to them. And we never went into Acts chapter 2. We never went into 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Those were anathema. We just didn't touch them, you know. And if any brave soul did, you know, dare to go into those, it was usually to try to shoot it down. And I remember growing up with my dad saying, well, you know, Paul said tongues is the least of the gifts. And I thought that was a verse somewhere because he said it so much. And really, it was just a lot of ignorance. And I've always said this, uh, prejudice is a fear based on ignorance. And so we were prejudiced against the things we didn't know. Like my spiritual father used to say, what you're not up on, you're down on. And so if you don't know about something, you tend to be negative about it. So we just, we had no knowledge whatsoever on the gifts and how could we have when they didn't operate in our midst. So as you said, we have to have an environment that facilitates the opportunity for people to step out and use their spiritual gifts and use, you know, yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we need discerning leadership that doesn't shoot people down when they miss it, but provides instruction and assistance for people to be on target. And it seems like that that balance is very hard to reach in a lot of churches for some reason. Either it's hyper-encouraged to the point where there's no discernment, or there's like, nobody does this, but maybe the leadership. Or if you have something, raise your hand, and we'll make you jump through five hoops before you can share what you feel like you have. So there's all these extremes, but there doesn't seem to be an opportunity for people in a safe environment to step out. And and this is what I think, what we used to call believers meetings. First um, Corinthians 14, 26, what is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, revelation, and interpretation, let all things be done into edifying. And so there was a safe environment within the Corinthian local church where people could step out and operate in whatever, you know, gifts they felt they were receiving an impulse from the Holy Spirit to yield to. And yet at the same time, obviously, uh, Paul gives guidelines for the operation of these things in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Particularly chapter 14 is really about the guidelines of the operation of the gifts in the context of a church service. And if we don't understand that, we misapply sometimes what Paul was saying. But long story short, you're right. We, we have to have an encouragement of people to step out, or we're, not, we're never going to have these things. 
And yet in the book of Acts, where the church grew so exponentially, over 50 times we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. So if we shut down the Holy Spirit, we're not going to have true biblical New Testament evangelism or anything else. But if we just let it go haywire, which has happened in some corners of the Pentecostal charismatic world, then it brings reproach. And so we have to have balance, but we can't shut down God and say, well, we're going to control this thing. Because the moment we do that, we lose. God's not going to be controlled. He's not going to be harnessed. Or as C.S. Lewis used to say, Aslan is not a tame lion. For those who know the Chronicles of Narnia, you can't tame God. He's not going to um, march to our music, right? So we have to learn to yield to him, provide a safe environment, but at the same time use the scriptural parameters given to us to maintain balance in the church. I am just amazed by everything you said. You really put it into context for me, especially regarding kind of the structure of certain churches and how there is this um, exaltation of the, the teacher and the pastor which honestly, I don't see a problem with in our day right now <laughs> because of the fact that things are so flipped upside down on reality that I, when I hear a pastor just just teach reality, yeah. just even if he's bringing in politics and tying in the correlation between um, the prophetic scriptures and what's going on in our polit- political realm and the manipulation of our leaders and how there's just all these different there's so many um, implications of certain agendas that are coming forth politically right now that are very much so um, prophetic fulfillments that people need to be like sober minded and alert and understand like there's an agenda behind the transgender movement. There's oh, an yeah. agenda behind there. There's an agenda behind the war on Israel. There's a reason why this is happening and it's a spiritual battle. Sure. And so for me recently, I've just, my appetite's been changing for what I'm listening to, who I'm listening to. Um, and it's awesome. Yet I find, and the reason why I asked you about, I want to get back to your testimony because the reason I asked about your, your, uh, experience with the Holy Spirit is I can imagine that being in a Southern Baptist environment, that wasn't something that was very common and you were probably like a black sheep, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think God gave me wisdom. When I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost on April Fool's Day, 1984, 19 years of age. And for me, it was a, it was the watershed experience of my life. I got saved at such a young age that, that the change was distinct. I remember second grade going up, giving my life to Jesus, getting in front of the church and saying, okay, I'm giving my life to the Lord at six, seven years of age. And then I was in second grade. I remember telling my teacher, Mrs. Talbert, Miss Talbert got saved last night, testifying to her. She didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And And I knew that. I could tell from her expression that there was a difference between her and I. And I remember sitting there in my little desk thinking things are different now. So I knew that I was distinctly born again, but I was so young. It was like the one fellow that said, I got I got saved at the age of five, and before that I lived a life of sin and degradation, you know. <laughs> so I was so young, there wasn't that distinction that there is in somebody that maybe did live a life of, you know, that was pretty rough, and then get saved maybe at 30 or 40. Um, but for me, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit at 19 and spake with tongues and started operating in the gifts, God began using me in interpretation of tongues quite quickly, like within a couple of weeks I was operating in these gifts, and and it was a very significant, and I I can't, I don't know how to say this (laughs) to make it strong enough, but it was like all of a sudden a dimension of reality, spiritually, was open to me. It was like, you know, I can't get off these Narnia illusions, but it's like (laughs) Lucy opening the wardrobe and seeing another world. And it was very much like that for me, and it was like, and, and the weird thing was, 
the people from my denomination couldn't see into that world, but I could. And and that obviously drove me to seek out people of like precious faith that could help me build on this new aspect of my faith. And um, really, pretty much everything that we did, that we focused on and majored on in ministry, things like the gifts, healing, the move of the Holy Spirit, came post that experience. Because those were not things we talked a lot about. In our, but I am thankful for my background because they were very big on the fundamentals of the word, salvation, you know, scripture. And so I thank God for my Southern Baptist heritage, But it, and it served as a good platform, a launching pad, but I couldn't get where I was going there, you know. So I had to open myself up, and God was very gracious to give me very good teachers, very good fathers in the faith that um, were very word-based. Um, you know, one of my spiritual fathers had any number of open visions of Jesus, but he would tell the Lord, even in these visions, I don't care if I'm seeing you eye to eye, face to face. If you can't give me scripture, and I want at least two or three, because the Bible said out of the mouth of two or three scriptures, let, let every word be established, I can't receive this. And and that's the kind of, you know, determination we need to be Bible-based, to be scripturally based. And that was always my contention is, what does the scripture say? And, you know, today, a lot of times, again, particularly in our charismatic, and I say this as an insider, we have to be careful that experience doesn't lead the way. It's great to have experience, but it's got to be rooted in Scripture. And I think that there is, like you said, there's there's believers, there's make-believers, there's manifestations of the Holy Spirit, then there's counterfeits. And, and Paul warns about this. Paul talks about these kinds of things. He talks about lying wonders in the last days and so forth. So while we want to contend for the gifts, we also want to contend for the authentic gifts of the Holy Spirit, because that's what's going to bring blessing to people, and that's what's going to elevate Jesus. If it's elevating a man or a ministry and not elevating the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be careful. So these things should promote the gospel. One of the things they do, of course, is service signs over the last several years since we've been broadcasting, particularly doing like our Skype crusades and things like that. When we were doing more of those things, we saw, you know, 2,000 people come to Christ in two years doing those uh, Skype crusades, but many more people than that probably healed and delivered. People like that had tumors instantly disappearing, um, people practicing black magic, watching tumors disappear off people's bodies, um, you know, all sorts of amazing things that, are, that we read it in the book of Acts, but we don't see in our life experience today, and yet we should. And if we'll contend for these things and, and make sure that we stay biblically grounded, there's no reason why we can't experience the book of Acts today and should be. That is so awesome. Yeah, I I am so grateful for you because I feel that you are one of the people that I call on when I need to get a balance on something. Like you just have this, it's very clear that you are... Um, you were raised fundamental, like, because I feel like you just have this base that, um, I could tell that you were raised Southern Baptist. I know that might sound weird, but I I just, I feel like I could tell that you have the background that you do just based on how you teach and how you speak and kind of even just your, your interest in literature, like the things you read and you're very into theology, you know, you're very into, um, apologetics. You love apologetics. You know, a lot of people who are gifts oriented, if you will, tend to kind of gravitate toward, okay, I'm just going to be all, like you said, (laughs) I'm going to be all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then there's not going to be like any theology in there. And it's like, whoa, dude, you need theology. (laughs) Like really, really (laughs) deeply. Like you need to understand how this stuff works, but you are very balanced. And I just appreciate that. And so when you got 
saved. Well, you got saved when you were young. I'm sorry, but when you committed to the Lord to the ministry, you said you were you were 19, 18, 18? when I surrendered publicly. Yeah. Yeah. So you started preaching. You preached on your birthday. You said I preached on my birthday, and then as a pastor gave me opportunity, and then little church up in New Kuyama, um, there was an Assembly of God and a Southern Baptist church, both which would have become, and I would speak in both of them alternately, whichever one invited me. And they want to, I had an interesting experience I was just sharing with a friend of mine the other day because he was raised in that Assembly of God church up there. And I'll never forget when, after I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Southern Baptist Church had invited me to come speak. And I, of course, like I said, I didn't share my experience because I thought, you know, I don't want to be thrown off the brow of the cliff like Jesus, you know. So I, I just kind of kept it under wraps. But I was preaching in that Southern Baptist Church after I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lady came up to me and she had this very knowing look in her eyes and she said, Something happened to you, didn't it? Now, she didn't say you got filled with the Holy Spirit, but she said, something happened to you, didn't it? And I said, oh, did it? You know, I was playing dumb. And she said, it did. And she knew. She knew that something had happened. There was a change in my presentation. There was more power there. And she could tell that, you know, transformation had taken place. But I played it real cool for a long, long time. And uh, <laughs> and then God began to use me. And, and then, you know, finally it came out. And then when I went to a full gospel Bible college, the you know, the cat was completely out of the bag. <laughs> but, you know, thank God my parents, even though they were, you know, Southern Baptist to the core, they supported me. Um, they actually paid my tuition through my two years at Bible college. That was their commitment. If you go two years at junior college, then we'll pay the other two years that they did. And um, I credit them with, you know, the fact that I was able to go to that Bible college and and sit underneath these wonderful ministries who've been in ministry for decades, you know. You got a good foundation at that Bible college? Yeah, very much so. So Summit Bible College is uh, who's sponsoring this broadcast, yeah. obviously, and you are a part of Summit. You've been yeah. a part of Summit now for goodness. 2015, the fall of 2015 is when I taught my first class. Yes, I'll never forget when I first met you and... Um, you also graduated from Summit. Was that? You graduated from Summit yes, as I well. Did. So yep. you've taught, you've graduated, you've been, um, an ex- you've experienced kind of yep. all aspects and you've worked there. So yeah, you know yeah, all I about did. us. Yeah. You know everything about us. But um, you have taught several classes. You've done apologetics. You've yep. done biblical worldview. Yeah, I did biblical worldview one year. I've taught the communicating the word of God. I've taught some classes on counseling, Old Testament survey. A, a bunch of different classes, yeah, and then some seminars too, and things. Oh, know. yeah, but yeah. this one is this one's your niche for sure. I think this is my favorite. Now, there, I think the reason why is because when you get to my age, you know, I'm 59, like I said, my 60th year of life. It struck me sometime recently. It's like, hey, I'm getting up there, and but now I can take this cumulative experience and understanding of community. To me, if somebody says, "What do you do?" I don't say I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I always say I'm a communicator because I think that's the best way to. To sum up what I do, I, I don't just teach, preach, I write, I podcast, I broadcast. And so to me, and one of the favorite things I've added to the Communicating the Word of God class recently is a whole class on just media. And I would like to expand that. I would actually like to do a lot more on that because I spend so much time in media and learning about media. I, I constantly am learning more about media, technology, you know, things, you know, AI is on the is is now here and whether we like it or not it's going to be used in broadcast it's going to be used in communicating and there are some tremendous advantages to that for example it used to take hours and hours and hours to put subtitles on a video now you can do it like that with ai and so there's going to be some things that are a tremendous advantage but the church is always famous for shrieking back from things rather than embracing it and utilizing it for the purposes of the kingdom yeah so you should teach a media class at summit is that what you just said 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I integrate the technology stuff in what I usually teach, usually the last class on media, but I would love to do a lot more on because media. Because we could because, really use it. Yeah, the, the need <laughs> We could definitely use it because even with our um, online streaming, so all of our classes are local. Well, not all of them are local. Um, the Tuesday night one, the one you're going to be teaching right. is going to be local in-house and we're going to be broadcasting it live now. So we changed right. our format a little. So it's right. live at the same time. And it's just been this it's a journey. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's been a journey. But we need training. Our staff needs training. Uh, and the people need to know as well, like how to really um, adapt to the yeah. to the demands of what it really is to be influential in the realm of media. Because in order to be influential, you have to know how to use it. Um, but that's so cool. So this class, Communicating the Word of God, is coming up January 9th is the first night. Because January 8th is the start of the quarter, which is Monday. We have a lot of uh, amazing courses coming up. And we actually have an orientation scheduled as well so you can go online at summitbiblecollege.com i don't know when this is going to be aired because this is pre-recorded so i don't want to give the date of the orientation but go online at summitbiblecollege.com check us out download a catalog for free and reach out to us if you want to get signed up but we only have like three minutes left on this um show per se and then we're going to do the next one what do you uh what can students expect from taking your class what is it that you want to impart to them well one thing i want everybody to understand that we're all called to communicate and we are communicating all the time we don't just communicate through what we say we communicate through the way we live we communicate through our uh body uh, you know bodily um expressions and facial expressions so we are communicating just ask any poker player we're communicating all the time it the question is how effective are we and what are we communicating so as believers we need to communicate of course effectively obviously through our lifestyle but all of us need to learn to communicate verbally and communicate the message of the gospel and and plus, we're all called to disciple people. So communication is not something we have an option to opt out of. We all have to be communicators. So what would be whether you feel you're called to the fivefold ministry or not, you're still called to communicate. Yeah, and it, it, exactly. You might not be a, a pastor. So people look at that class a lot of the time and they'll say, hey, I'm not called to be a pastor. And I'm like, that's great, but yeah. <laughs> you are communicating. Yeah. So it's so funny. I got my degree, my first degree in communication at a BC and they used to be back in the day, like the funniest most ridiculous degree to get like a why in the world <laughs> now it's like i look at it now and i'm like everybody needs a degree in communication yeah, yeah. y'all need to learn how to talk yeah. like you need to learn how to write yep. you need to learn how to have a civil conversation with somebody and i think that there is a process well i know there's a process there is an art to speaking like if you're looking at this from the standpoint of influence whether you're on social media or whether you're writing or you know usually this is going to be like a more verbal thing you're speaking right you there's a process of how you can hook a person into what you're saying so next broadcast we're going to be on uh, another 30 minutes coming up next week let's talk a little bit more about how to actually develop a speech because i think that there's so much to learn when you understand that there is um there's an art to it and there's a process because we all have been touched by somebody who's spoken into our lives and it all has to do with the way they the style at which they capture their audience there's something that these people are doing it's not just what they're saying it's how they're saying it and i've always been amazed by that because you could take a speech and two different people can give it and they could be saying the same exact things but one can impact you and the other could totally turn you off yeah why is that that's a really good question like what is this other person doing that's turning you off what is this person doing that's in, that's engaging with with you? Right. Like what and how? How yeah. are they speaking? 
speaking. And it's like the truth, right, is a big deal. It's everything. Um, but when we're trying to reach people, you don't need to sugarcoat the truth. You need to speak the truth right. unashamedly. But there is a way that we as people of God should address the truth to the public. And obviously it depends on your audience. If it's a Christian audience, you're going to speak differently than if it's a non-Christian audience. So we have like 30 seconds left. Uh, Visit, uh, what is your website one more time? RandyLaneBunch.org. And your books are available there. Yeah, everything you can find it through there. Or through it at Amazon too. Yeah, you have some really good books. Yeah, and how many have you written? I think five five are available on Amazon, four or five. Oh my goodness, you're so cool. Okay, tune in for next week. I have him back on. God bless you guys. This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College.